What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps. We got UFC 279 coming hot and ready this weekend, and I can't wait. I can't wait. We got the Chechen gangster, Hamza Chimaev. I kill everybody, brother. I kill everybody, brother. Taking on Nate Diaz. Of course, Dr. Schlapp, homie, ain't nobody playing around here. You know what I mean? I'm the realest in the game. Ain't no real gangsters left. Ain't no East Coast gangster like a West Coast gangster. Cuz, let's go, baby. I'm all about this. I can't wait to see this one. Uh, I think a lot of people are writing off Nate. <clears throat> and I understand the uh, trajectory of both their careers right now. Nate isn't as active. But before we give you guys the goods, of course, we got to hit you with the DraftKings sponsors. Ad read. So, bear with me, guys. All right, football fans. This first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as added bonus for one week, or should I say for week one, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings Early win promotion, it's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, even if your team loses. So, MMA fans, don't forget about the huge fight happening in Las Vegas this Saturday. I will be there in attendance. Discuss MMA um, matchups, and of course, we're going to get into that. So your call to action is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code FUNKMASTER to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code FUNKMASTER only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum aid and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And of course, you got to see the disclaimer. If you or someone that has a gambling problem, crazy, got something to refer to, service is going to be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. I always love doing that part. That part's always fun. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the commercials when we were growing up back in the day. <clears throat> and uh, we would always see those. Um, we hear the commercials on the radio and we hear the commercials on... What's the other thing? Uh, the TV, of course. Well, the, we used to call that the stupid box, the idiot box. My gym teacher back in elementary school would call that. So I'm going all the way back to, I was born 1989. So that was back in like 1995, maybe six years old, six, maybe 1996. The gym teacher would call it the idiot box. And she'd be like, oh, it doesn't tell you anything. It's just a propaganda, blah, blah, blah. And back then I didn't know she was on game. She was hip to game. And I had no idea what this crazy lady was talking about. I'm like, sure, I just try to watch my Tom and Jerry cartoons. You need to relax yourself, girl. Um, but yeah, and they would always do that. And I would always be like, huh? I don't understand what they're saying. But now I get it. They say so fast so you can't understand. And then you'd be like, oh, we told you. And I'm like, you did? When? I'm like, you remember that part where we were saying, yeah, but I didn't understand what you were saying. But yeah, that's what we were saying. <laughs> I got a I got a quirky, weird, sometimes all over the place um, sense of humor. I like just like to have a good time. I just like to have a good laugh. All right. So Hamzat Shemaev going into this fight is a minus eleven fifty favorite, taking on Nate Diaz at plus seven fifty. Now, I don't need to go down the stats and see all the the fights that both these guys have had. I'm going to paint the picture. <clears throat> and I think this is the best way I could do this. Last time I remember Nate Diaz fighting at 170. Um, 
for the very first time, I think it was the very first time, if I recall correctly, it was against Rory McDonald. Now, he was just coming up from 155, and obviously back then, that was years ago. And I would like to say he kind of got tossed around, ragdolled a bit. But since then, it seems like he's put on some size. He actually grew into the welterweight frame a little bit more, put on some more weight. Um, I would even argue that he's gotten stronger. I, I would say his technique has gotten better. He's not getting thrown around at 170. Leon Edwards didn't do that to him. Um, Masvidal didn't do that to him. But you can make the argument Masvidal is still technically a 155er, but he has a big frame, and I don't think Masvidal is seeing 155 anytime soon ever again. So let's just say he's a welterweight. Then you got Edwards, who's more of a striker. So you can't really count that in terms of the grappling department, but he was in there to scrap with him the entire time, although being outpointed for four rounds. Um, some would even say five rounds until he had that big moment in the end of the fifth. So I would like to point out that all of his finishes on those epic moments have been at 155. Um, he fought Conor McGregor at that 170 catch weight um, where Conor thought he was going to go up to 170 and just do his thing. And Nate shut that down. Obviously, Conor was coming up from 45, then to 55, then to 170. So I'm trying to paint the picture. The size of Nate Diaz is going to be a big factor in this. Skill-wise, I think Nate has all the tools to win. I will say Hamzad is faster, younger, clearly, Um Better in the wrestling department. We've seen what he's done to multiple people. He literally just goes out there and grabs you. And if he, once he locks his hands, it's very difficult to get a guy like that off of you. And then on top of that, um, he has the will and desire to win more than just like, I'm just talking a big game. I'm an athlete. Like the tough guy going for him against Gilbert in that fight. And he did his thing. He rose to the occasion, jumped through fire a bit. And he made it a barn burner. And I think he could have made it more of a grappling matchup if he wanted to. For whatever reason, he decided to engage in the striking with a, a monster like Gilbert, giving him multiple opportunities to stay in the fight and to potentially end the fight. Because there was times he got hurt, got hit, clipped with some big shots. He staggered, got wobbled a bit. And you're like, okay, the tides are turning. This is an interesting fight. Now, what's the other option? Even if he can't get Gilbert down, what's the other option? Maybe he shoots in, he presses him against the cage the entire time. Maybe that's the other way that the fight could have played out. So it's hard for me to really go, He, if he wanted to grapple him, would he have just taken Gilbert down and held him down the entire time? I'm going to say probably not. I'm going to say the path of least resistance was probably what he did. And I think the safer fight would have been to, to keep taking him down or to keep trying to take him down, attempting to take down. Maybe if it gets stalled on the cage, that's just what happens because a guy's takedown defense is that good and uh, he's good at getting back up. Maybe that would have exhausted Chemayev a lot more against a guy who's as good at getting back up to the feet and stuffing takedowns as Gilbert Burns is. You see what I'm saying? So I'm trying to paint the scenario. Now, you got Nate Diaz who doesn't necessarily have those skills, but then I hear an interview with Chael Sonnen on his podcast and he details... Him in the boxing gloves with Nate Diaz years ago, years ago, and him saying, "Oh, I got boxing gloves on, so I didn't want to go to the ground, so I kind of kept the fight, I kept the sparring match on the feet because it's easier for me to work the game up here as opposed to working my grappling game with boxing gloves on." 
I thought that was very, very interesting. So it makes you wonder, like, can Nate actually keep the fight standing now if he really wants to versus the Nate Diaz that we saw against Ariel, um, let's just say Ariel Hawani, <laughs> against Rory McDonald. So for me, that's what makes this a very intriguing matchup because everyone's writing Nate off the same way they wrote off Gilbert Burns. And you have to respect that when you get to the top of the division, the competition gets much stiffer. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think that Hamza is clearly the favorite going into this fight. If I had to pick, I have to put my money where I think it's just like the proof is in the pudding. I have to go with longevity in terms of youth, um, the scar tissue of Nate Diaz. There's multiple ways that the fight could be stopped for Hamza and for him to win. Versus Nate Diaz, I think, is more so the battle of attrition, trying to wear you down, um, maybe pointing at you a couple of times, slapping you a couple of times, and maybe if he gets you hurt with one of those long crosses, bop, bop, the same way he did Leon Edwards, the same way he did um, uh, Conor McGregor multiple times, and he pours it on later on in the fight, and his gas tank just keeps going up. And then maybe catching a submission if Hamzat decides to shoot. But I like to think that the striking advantage, although I think Nate might be better with just the hands, I do think I do think Hamza is going to be faster to the punch. Now, kind of like what we've seen with him in GM3, Mershot, he kind of just walks him down, gets him to a little corner, and it looks like he's going um, straight punch, and he comes around and bang, and just sits him down, one-shot kill, done, and... Uh, I feel like it could be something similar to this, but I do think Nate's approach is gonna is what's going to make this interesting. Will he be able to tie him up, make it a dirty fight, press him against the cage like he's done in some of his old fights? Um, Josh Thompson, I think. Um, Nate uh, Cowboy Cerrone. And maybe a few other people. So that's where I'm at with this one. So like I said, I think smart money is obviously on... <clears throat> Uh, Hamza Chemaev, but I think it would be ill-advised to not throw something at a plus 750. That's just my take. And again, Chemaev is a plus, uh, a minus 1150 favorite, and Nate Diaz plus 750 underdog. So I don't, I don't see no, no harm in throwing a few dollars on Nate to get an upset or hedging the bet. That's just my take, but um. I'm not a professional at, at betting, especially I just don't know how like the, all the terminologies work. I'm still learning. So I try to stay away from it as long as I can until I learn. And once I do learn, I'm going to be sucked in. I'm like, no. <laughs> but this is going to be a fun fight. I think the fans are going to win. It's going to be entertaining. Um, Chemayev is coming in there to make it entertaining. He's saying all this stuff about Dana wants him to take his head and all this. He's coming there to take his head, bro. And all this stuff. So, I'm like I said, I'm interested in this fight. It's going to be very, very fun to see what happens. And to see how this plays out. Will we have an epic moment, iconic moment like he did Leon Edwards at the end? Again, that doesn't win you the fight. But it's memorable. And I think no matter what, Nate's stock doesn't go down because he just fights the way he fights. And people just love it. I, and you, some would say they don't get it because I don't really get it, honestly. Um... Because if you, you look at the, the the entire fight and there's only one moment and it's just like, damn, that's what 
people remember this entire fight and the rest of it was you really kind of getting you losing. I, you know, I'm going to be careful and selective of my terms. I like both these guys. I'm not trying to have nobody hate me, but it is what it is. Like in terms of like what actually happened in the fight, like Nate was clearly losing that fight and losing it relatively one-sidedly. And he had that one iconic moment that everyone keeps talking about and pointing to literally pointing to pun intended. Uh, co-main event, we have The Leech taking on Tony Ferguson. This is going to be a interesting one as well for multiple reasons. Tony Ferguson plus 255 underdog Leech. Jingli Hang is a minus 305 favorite. Now, big Tony fan, big Leech fan. I talk to these guys whenever I do get an opportunity. Very nice people. Um, interesting for multiple reasons. I do think... Uh, Tony Ferguson coming back up to 170 makes it a little bit, it gives it more of a curveball. I mean, I know he said he won the welterweight division tournament at the Tough, but that was years ago. And most guys compete a weight class higher than they do their normal weight class because it's really, really hard. Like imagine me trying to make 135 week after week on the Ultimate Fighter. That's just insanity. I would have to compete at the 145 division. That's just what most people do. It's just easier to manage the weight. Most people don't want to be struggling and all this. So most people will do that. It's not like the wrestling tournament where you get banged up, but you're not going to be bruised and battered from bones colliding. and Like when you just hear these, just imagine your shin bones just crushing each other. So that's what I, I would not want to have to deal with and then having to recover and then having to cut that weight. Mira, 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 mira. That's a lot. That is a lot. So Ferguson kind of in a rough patch in his career. I'm hoping that he's been training like with an actual team behind him and someone like over, overseeing it. Or even if he's training by himself, as long as he has someone overseeing his training and making sure he's doing the right things and keeping himself honest um, and not being the full-on dictator of what he's doing, I think good things can happen. It's a fight for crying out loud, you know? It's a fist fight with small-ass gloves. Anything can happen. Um, this, the Leech has lost before. Tony has been known to cause chaos. Now, will we see a reinvigorated Tony Ferguson at 170, 15 pounds higher than 155? Now he's not cutting as much weight. He's enjoying the training process a little bit more. And then I see Leech. He's training like an animal getting down to the weight class where he's cutting weight, where he will definitely have a size advantage how much of a size advantage? I don't know. We're going to see that when these guys step toe-to-toe, face-to-face with each other. We get to see how much bigger the leech is going to be over Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson's got a tall, lanky frame. He's about 5'11", if I remember correctly. I'm going to check. 5'11", 76 and a half inch reach. And then you got the leech, who I think is also 5'11". He's 6 feet tall. At least that's what it says. I don't think he's actually 6 feet, um, unless I'm just underplaying how tall he actually is with a 72 inch reach so ferguson is going to have the big reach advantage in this department now can he use it can he weather the storm and not take too many big shots i think ferguson might have the speed advantage here i think leach kind of you showed that he didn't have the speed in that last one with muslim sadikov um i think that's the guy he fought <clears throat> muslim Sadikov. yeah and then eventually he found a cross off of the kick and encountered it perfectly, dropped them and finished up with some ground and pound strikes. 
over a guy who is definitely winning the fight over the, the leech. So I'm excited to see how Tony does. Because who's, who doesn't like Tony Ferguson? He's a fan favorite. Everyone loves Tony. The ridiculous, I think, 10 or 11 fight win streak that he went on before really, really getting a title shot. And um, then becoming the interim champ after coming back from Kevin Lee and and getting, a, I think, a second round triangle choke finish. So I, I feel like he's had a rough patch. We never got to see the greatness of the matchup between him and Khabib and both of them in, I guess, their primes. When they were both hot, that would have been one of those things that answers so many questions for everybody. Now it's going to be the biggest what-ifs in MMA. What if that matchup actually happened the first time it was supposed to? What if on the second time, the third, the fourth, and the fifth time? We'll never know. You know, but again, Tony Ferguson is a fan favorite. He's gonna always be beloved. I just think um, this fight will dictate how much more he has left in the tank. And I'm not one to tell someone when to retire. You know, you're making money, you're providing. As long as you're not getting hammered and taking a lot of injuries, I'm okay with you competing. I just think, from a health standpoint, you only care about people that you cared about watching or that you care about. Um, and me and Tony, we're not like boys or anything like that, but I do care about the guy in terms of mental health outside of fighting because I'm a fighter and I always want to make sure that fighters are doing the right things for themselves, you know? So I'm hoping that him and his team, they, depending on how this fight goes, they really evaluate the landscape and see what is truly next for El Kakui, Tony Ferguson. So with this one... Um, it's going to be a fun fight. Again, let me just give you guys the DraftKings odds. That is Leach at minus 305 and Tony Ferguson at plus 255. Um, Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez. Fun fight. Also, I'm torn between this one because both of these guys are cool as people. D-Rod, I think, stepping in on short notice. I think Holland also stepping in on short notice as well. That's what I kind of hate about this because I'm like, I would like to see these guys both fighting with a full training camp. I don't know if they've been training this entire time. I've seen D-Rod a couple times at the PI. I've seen Holland here and there. Like once in a while, like I run into him somewhere in Vegas or um, at the PI or Texas, whatever. But these guys are both on winning streaks, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm like, dang, when you see two guys that you like fighting, you got... Um, Holland on a two-fight win streak, two finishes in a row at 170, Alex Oliveira and Tim Means. And then you have, and yo, Holland is still a young buck in the game, bro. 29 years old, 6'3", 81-inch reach, and D-Rod, he's 35 years, oh, wow, he's 35, I didn't even know that. He's 6'1", 74-inch reach, so he's going to have a massive reach advantage, and he's on a three-fight winning streak. Mike Perry, Preston Parsons, and then Kevin Lee bumping up to 170 again. So, um, I think Rodriguez is more of a dog. I think he's going to be, when I say more of a dog, I think he's like more willing to be in that dog fight situation where Holland's more like, I think more of like a precise striker, going to pick you apart and kind of get out of there. Um, where I think D-Rod would be more welcoming of like being in your face the entire time, making it a dog fight. I haven't really seen Kevin Holland like fight like that. I think his style is more of like use his reach advantage, create the space, take the shots that come, but don't force it too much. And he's kind of had like up and down, like some moments of brilliance, some moments of like, damn, why'd you do that? But 
that's the fight game. You you live and you learn. You try things. You take risks, right? So that's what that's what you do when you're in the moment. You never know what you're really thinking, what you're feeling for that athlete, and why they do certain things that they do. With that said, Holland's reach should play a big advantage in this fight. Um, if I'm D Rod, maybe I'm utilizing the, the calf kicks. But at the same time, you utilize the calf kicks one too many times, and if it gets read by Holland. It's going to be a lot easier for him to drop that one-two down the middle or a big cross down the middle, kind of the same thing that we saw Leach knock out Solikov with, throwing an inside leg kick, I think it was, and it was not the fastest, and Leach timed it, stepped in as he was throwing the kick, and connected, rocked him, dropped him, finished it up with some ground strikes, fight's over. Very similar situation could happen because of that massive reach advantage of Kevin Holland. So D-Rod's got to be very cautious about Staying on the outside, not getting picked apart, trying to get inside and trying to make it a gritty fight. Can he get Kevin Holland down to the ground and test the wrestling? Did Kevin Holland do his homework in the wrestling department? And can he keep the fight standing long enough? I mean, we've seen improvements um, in his previous fights. Jack Hermanson, uh, there was another guy, I think he showed some good promise and just of him elevating himself and getting better in the wrestling um, area. And for this one, DraftKings has Kevin Holland at a minus 200 and D-Rod is going to be a plus 170 underdog. So, fun fight. Both guys got the skills to win this one. I just hate that someone has to lose. It hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. Um, now, before we get into the rest of the card, I'm not going to do everything on this. I normally do for pay-per-view just the, um, uh, the, the main card, you know? For um, pay-per-view cards or whatever. I just want to give you guys a, a quick little note that G Fuel. So go to GFuel.com. Use my promo code ALJO. You're going to get 30% off from today, September 8th to September 12th. Go check these guys out. They got all these new flavors back in stock. So go check them out and go get you some G Fuel. Have yourself some energy, baby. My guaranteed scrap pick for this fight card is going to be Hakeem. Dawadu versus Julian Erosa. Both these guys are action-packed fighters. They bring a pace of no others. They don't know what a boring fight is. If you watch the last fight with Hakeem, uh, not the, maybe not the last one, but he watched one. See, he beat Mike Trezano. He lost to Mozvar Evloev in a close fight. He lost to Z he beat Zuba to to Hugov. I can't. I, I'm just calling him Zuba. I look. I keep doing this. He he beat Zuga. Zuba. <laughs> At this point, it's just funny. And he chases him around the cage, hands down, yelling at him, come on, let's fight, let's do this. Like, what are you doing? Like, let's go. And Zuba's just on his toes doing the ollie shuffle, like shaking, like circling around. And he's just like, nah, 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 nah. I don't want no parts of this. I don't want no parts of this. So I thought that was pretty interesting. He's an entertainer. He comes to kickbox. He comes to scrap. He'll, he'll let them things fly. He's got some slick kicks. Um, Erosa's got some slick kicks as well. He's got a really tight submission game. If Erosa wins this, I can see him winning by submission. Uh, maybe a dark stroke or guillotine. I can see that happening if he can force those exchanges. Hakeem, I think, is going to be the cleaner kickboxer. But I, like I said, guaranteed energy from, the, from these two. When, they, when these two step in the center, both guys are going to know nothing but going forward. Um, Julian Rosa brings chaos. He does some spinning attacks. Uh, Hakeem clean strikes down the middle. He hits hard. He's there to crack. 
Some would say he's there to be hit, but he's also there to do the hitting. And he doesn't get hit as often as people may think. So I think that's what makes this interesting. I think Arosa sometimes get touched a little bit. I've trained with Arosa a bunch, never trained with um, Dawadu. I think, like I said, I think his path to victory, if he can create some type of grappling exchange and catch Hakeem, and I think if Hakeem is smart, he knows that. Um, I think if Erosa is smart, he knows where his path of least resistance is. He's going to have to make it a, a dogfight because I think Hakeem is a little bit crisper in the striking department. Like, more crisp hands, more crisp, um, just fundamentally sound cake boxing and some Muay Thai. And I think Erosa can make it crazy with the unorthodox striking, switch stance, as long as he keeps his hands up, doesn't get lazy and complacent, and let Hakeem start to find a home and pick him apart. I think this is a very fun fight. Guaranteed action. This is my guaranteed scrap pick of the fight card. So whatever you guys want to bet or whatever, I don't know who's going to win this one. I like both dudes. Train with one of them. Hung out with one of them. You got Hakeem at a minus 225 favorite and Erosa at a plus 190 underdog. So again, fun fight. This one's guaranteed action. Both guys have ways to win. Who's going to make the adjustments to find their lane faster and to find their their path to victory a lot easier? Um, So with that said, that is my last pick that I'm going to do for this one. I mean, there's some other fun fights. Jake Collier taking on Chris Barnett, the heavyweights. You got Johnny Walker taking on Iwan Kutalaba. Alatang is back taking on Hangliger. I don't even know how to say that guy's name. So a couple of good fights that I'm interested in seeing. I'm going to be in the building for this one. Marab is back in town. He got in yesterday, uh, not yesterday, uh, two nights ago, late night. We went to run last night, um, doing our sprint workout. Friday we run again. Today's a sparring day, which is Thursday right now. So I want to try to get this podcast up today for you guys. Again, remember G Fuel, use my code Aljo for 30% off from today to September 12th, uh, September 8th to September 12th. Um, today's sparring day. We want to get some work in today with this kid who's a very good switch dancing. Um, he's taller than TJ, so he's going to have the reach and it's going to make it more realistic for me. So now I'm going to get a, a really good look. Grappling's not as strong. So the, the key is if I do take him down, we got to work our entries over and over and over. And uh, I'm only going to get about 10 to 15, 20 seconds on top to work, try to tire him out a bit, and then we have to stand back up. And that's the way I'm testing myself to make sure I'm not just taking somebody down and blanketing them, and then I get to the fight with TJ, and if I can't take him down right away, then it's a stand-up exchange. So I got to make sure I'm putting myself in these uncomfortable situations And that's what I'm going to be doing for this training camp. So I'm excited for this to see how I do. And um, hopefully there's some good feedback and there's some things to be learned. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. So I'm excited for today. Like I said, Marab's back in town. I got JP um, Bays. He's been a big help so far. And uh, I'm looking forward to UFC 280. So, guys, if you like my shit, subscribe to my shit. Or spinning backflips, baby. Don't forget DraftKings. NFL week, use promo code FUNKMASTER for that one and bet $5 on any team to win over 10 points at any moment in the game to win $200 in free bets instantly. So I'll see you guys later. That one is promo code FUNKMASTER. I'll have everything down in the show notes. See you guys later. Peace. Time to go get some work in, baby. Let's go. Pop, 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 pop. Spinning back. Fist. Pop, pop, pop. Pop. Okay, I dragged it a bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.